Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. Good morning. It is a good morning, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it is wonderful to be together. Isn't the family of God great? (laughs) I love being a part of the global family of God. You know, I believe that the glory of the Lord is going to ride out upon the earth on relationships within his people. And that he's spreading out that network of relationships for his purposes. But in the meantime, there's great joy in it. You see, it's not only strategic, but there's also pleasure from the Lord. That's a gift to his people that sustains us in fulfilling his work. And so it's, it's something that uh, for us is a great joy to be with you this morning and to, and to share. Hallelujah. It's just exciting to be in Connecticut right now. I mean, I mean, this is this is uh, something new for us to be uh, traveling and ministering in this part of the United States just since the last time we're here a year ago. But the Lord's been deepening our hearts the last few days. We've been ministering um, with Wellspring Church about an hour away from here. And it's been a glorious time. We've been hearing about what God is doing in the body around the state and in these worship gatherings. And, 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 uh, and it's exciting. I mean, we know that the fruit of what's coming forth now is because of investment, even in past decades, and in the lives of people that have taken a stand and made deposits into the region, and that now the Lord is rallying his body for a greater purpose. And so, as we've heard about it, we've, we've just been excited. I, we were praying together with some of the leaders the other day, and I just saw the, saw the hand of the Lord going down into, into the soil and grabbing a hold of the roots of a tree and to begin to shake those roots. And what was happening wasn't a negative shaking. It was a shaking that was bringing life back into the tree. And I literally saw fruit coming off of the branches as the shaking at the root level. And I believe that's part of what God is doing. He's reaching into promises that have been deposited into faithful lives and prayers and that it's coming up and it's going to bear fruit now. It's going to bear fruit in this season for the glory of the Lord. And so it's just, it's just exciting. When we were with the team in Cyprus one day, we were, we were doing visiting some places on, on the island. I took them to an amphitheater that I have a vision to see filled with uh, 1,500, 2,000 worshipers in Cyprus, just lifting up the name of the Lord. I said, I want you guys to agree with me here. And then we went from there and we went down to the coast and we stood on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And we began to declare God's purposes. And and, And we were just aware that that water, you know, go through the Mediterranean, across the Atlantic, and it hits the shore right here. And it's really... Even though we're spread apart to different continents and, you know, it takes it takes different time zones to pass through and all that thing in God's big picture. It's all connected. And there's a and that's that sense of family that we have with you as we share today. So God is good. You know, there's the coming. There's the convergence of many things that we're privileged for our eyes to be open to see in this time that we're living. Even right now, um, as, as Janet was sharing, you know, just about, about the roots and, and the menorah there in the midst of the fire. Right now is the, is, the, is, is, is the seasons of the Lord. It's called the season of our rejoicing in the scriptures. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is a, a culmination of the seven feasts that are in the biblical calendar year. 
They come in the fall. And we've just been passing through the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and coming to the Feast of Tabernacles, which we're in right now. And it's the party at the end of the redemptive purposes of God, the rejoicing in the provision and in the power of God. And it's an exciting time to be together. We, as we were, we were ministering with Jeff Collins, who also came here before, and he sends his love and greetings uh, the last few days. And we were able to stand up together as, as a Jewish believer and a, a Gentile believer together. And we said, there's a mystery that's being unfolded in this generation that's been held up for past, for, for past uh, hundreds of years and centuries. It's been held up for a time that Paul was speaking about the revealing of the one new man. And that in that uh, mystery being revealed, there is life and there is fruitfulness and there is advance of the purposes of God in our generation. And and what a joy to stand together as an expression of the one new man there these last few days and declare the purposes of God over this state and over this region. And so this is an exciting time to be alive. This is an exciting time to connect and it's our privilege to come and put our feet on this soil and join together with you for God's purposes and say, come on, Lord, according to your word, according to your promise, Lord, let it be in our day as is in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's open up our Bibles this morning to Isaiah in chapter 35. This is a passage that has been just um, burning in my heart recently, and it's a well-known passage of scripture. And, uh, but the Lord has spoken to me out of it. And I want to just share some of what I've been receiving and feeding off of in the word of God, because I believe what we receive from the Lord, then there is an authority behind that to give it away, to impart it. And so this is what's now for me. This is what's fresh for me that I believe has is applicable for Valley shore today. So let's open up our hearts to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We love your word. It is life. It is life to us. It is life to our bones. It is life to the core of our being. So we pray that you would magnify your word inside of us, Lord God, that you would wash us with your word and you would inspire us and you would challenge us with your word that we would not live the same, but we'd be transformed and come more into the image of the Messiah. Amen. So I'm going to share with you from Isaiah 35. And I want to read the whole chapter. It's just 10 verses. Don't get nervous. I love to read and declare the word of the Lord. It's powerful. It's it's enough in and of itself. And so I'm going to attempt to share what's on my heart. But I know one thing. The word of the Lord stands forever. And so if we declare this, it has a power to land upon the human heart and affect change. Thank you, Lord. There's two themes that we were in our morning worship time recently, and I was meditating on this passage of scripture and, uh, in I, it, a theme that has been streams in the desert to rivers in the desert that has been very real to us as a ministry. We've named one of our outreaches where we go into a region and we gather the churches of that region together for a time of seeking the Lord, a time of prayer and prophetic declaration. We call it streams in the desert. And I was just um, meditating on this chapter and the Lord said, I want you to pay attention to the river and the road. I want you to pay attention to the two themes in this chapter, the river and the road. And so as we read through the chapter, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I'll share some things uh, as well along the way. 
The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord. The excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing for waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Here's the river. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And now the road. A highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Thank you for your word. So as we dig into this chapter a little bit this morning, we want to understand and put honor on the word of God. And by doing that, a correct way of interpreting and applying scripture is that we honor the first intent and audience that the scripture is speaking to. You know, by and large, we have to be careful in our in our modern streams of of uh, charismatic and and and. Pentecostal, evangelical, sometimes we have learned to pick and choose verses to our life and we just fit them to our life for what fits our feelings and our emotions at the time. But the word of the Lord is steady. It's constant. It has a purpose behind it. And so first we honor the original intent. There was an audience here. Isaiah was prophesying to his people as the prophet of the Lord. He was prophesying to the nation of Israel about coming back from exile to the place of their inheritance and their land. So their eye, the focus of Isaiah 35 is pointing towards Zion. It's pointing towards Jerusalem. And it's about a people and a place, a people being moved back to the place of inheritance and promise according to what the prophet is giving. Second, we find for the church in every age that there's application of the word of God if we honor the first intent. And so the church corporately then has the application that we're brought into the wealth of Israel. We're brought into the wealth of the people of God and we were able to apply it to the body worldwide. Then thirdly, we take personal application from it. And that from that place, if we honor and we live out of the place of honoring the word of God and his intent, the blessing flows down. 
So if we, if we don't ignore the, the context, if we don't ignore who it's at first, but we say, we honor, Lord, that this is speaking about the return of the, of the exiles of Israel back to the place, and the, back to Zion, and they'll come back, they'll be able to worship you in Zion with singing and rejoicing, that they will be no, they'll be slaves no longer, but they will be free men in the place of their promise. And we honor that, then, it, then it, the blessing flows to the next level into the church corporately. And then thirdly, we can take personal application. So we live applying the word of God out of a lifestyle of honor and it releases greater blessing and greater riches to be unearthed and to be mined out from his word. So let's start off like that and then let's look at some of these verses here in Isaiah 35. Hallelujah. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them Right there, from the very start, something's up. Because when you put wilderness, wasteland, and then gladness together, in the natural, it doesn't fit. In the natural, that's a challenge. That's a challenge to joy. That's a challenge to rejoicing. Is because the wilderness is that place of dryness. It's that, it's that place of, of being stripped back of every structure, being stripped back of every provision. But there's all of a sudden, which the prophet announces the beginning, that place of dryness is going to be a place of joy. So we know that something that catches our attention as we approach this first verse. And it says, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. So we have gladness, we have joy, we have rejoicing, we have uh, um, singing here. And on all of these things, all of a sudden we recognize, okay, there's something supernatural that's taking place in the wilderness. When rejoicing comes, it's because there has been an intervention. You know, David, he spoke about the same wilderness and he said, in a dry and in a thirsty land, I've sought you to see your power and your glory. He was dependent upon the Lord. The wilderness, you know, the wilderness was the place where God showed his power and his provision to his people. When he brought them as captives the first time out of Egypt and he brought them out of the place uh, of the house of bondage, the scripture says he brought them into the wilderness and there they were dependent. There was nothing they could fall on in their own strength other than God himself. And under the foot of Mount Sinai, he formed them into a nation and he gave them the word, but he came and he manifest his presence in the midst of the camp of Israel in fire and in cloud. He provided supernaturally for every need that they had. He provided for their clothing. It's that their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. For 40 years, that leather in that dry land, in that dry country, it, it lasted because of the supernatural provision of the Lord. He caused quails to fall right into their laps and they gave them food to eat, water to burst forth from a rock. His presence in the midst of them, he went before them and conquered enemies on their behalf. And what we learn is that though dry place in the wilderness is a place to experience the supernatural power and provision of the Lord. If we go through in our own strength, it's surely death. But when we lean on the Lord, if we come up out of the wilderness, leaning upon our beloved, we come in radiant power, in radiant glory under the provision of the mighty hand of the Lord. And so Isaiah's prophesying to us and he's saying this dry place, it's going to be filled with joy. 
He's cluing us in to the supernatural that's about to break out in the dry place. Now, we can all relate to areas of dryness, the wilderness of our soul. We can all relate to the areas of need of where we, we're aware of our lack and we can't do anything to fix ourselves. And yet, when we have our perspective right, when we hear the voice of Isaiah telling us there's something more for us in the wilderness, if we lay down our own strength and we receive the power and the provision of the Lord. He goes on to emphasize his point, and he says, even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. And here, those sound like names that are somewhat familiar to us as we read the scriptures. But if we were to go back into that time, we would recognize that those are the beauty spots of ancient Israel. Those, those are, the, those are the, the, the number one tourist destinations. Those are the places in creation to see glory. I mean, think about it with me for a moment. The mountains of Lebanon with their majestic cedars, the roads. I mean, if, if you have seen them with your own eyes or maybe you've seen them on the Internet or whatever, they are majestic, massive, huge trees that have stood some of them for centuries and some for even a thousand plus years. And they've stood on the mountains of Israel in the eastern part of the Mediterranean, looking down upon Israel as if you were. And if you could see this kind of uh, way, like sentinels giving witness to the work of God on behalf of his people in that region. And, you know, King Hiram, he took them, he cut them down and he floated them down the great sea and there to Israel to offer them for the building of the tabernacle of, of the temple to give to Solomon. They were they were objects of great beauty and they described they were fitting for the glory of the Lord. The desert will be compared to the glory of Lebanon. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon. Sharon, we know. What do we associate? The rose of Sharon. The fragrant aroma that would come from the roses of that region. In Cyprus, near to us in the mountains, there is a village that's known. It's called Agros, and it's known for its roses. And there they're known for taking the roses, and they make uh, a perfume from that that's known across the island. And it's, there's a fragrance that comes out of that village. Sharon, the rose, the beauty of the rose of Sharon. The desert will be likened to that kind of fragrance. And then it says of Carmel. Carmel is the mountain range that parallels the northern coast of Israel. It's the place where Elijah conquered the prophets of Baal. It's the place where God showed his mighty right arm and he stretched it out on behalf of a man who stood in the face of, of those that were speaking against him and he showed himself strong until this day. When you go up to the Carmel Ridge Line and you look down, you see the, the Mediterranean with a clear view along the coast. On the other side of the ridge, you look down to the valleys where Megiddo and, and, and it stretch out across the wide open plains. And it's one of the beauty spots of Israel. And he's saying, your driest places when my supernatural power and provision come will be likened. They will be on the same level as these places, the beauty spots of ancient Israel. It's good news. It's good news. Verse three. As we find ourselves in this wilderness, as we find ourselves in these dry places. The word of the Lord rises up and says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, 
Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come. At the end of the age, Jesus spoke and he said that men's hearts would fail them for fear. That they would look around in the natural and they would see the pestilence. They would see the wars and the rumor of wars. And their hearts would fail them for fear. They would see the calamity and the turmoil. But here, the prophet is saying, be strong. Do not fear. Strengthen weak hands. Strengthen weak knees. Hands that hang down. And there become, the word of the Lord comes by the supernatural power and provision to affect the change in our stance, in our standing, in our ability to do the things that he has called us to do. And his power and his glory come to change us from where we're at. Maybe some of us today have feel or are aware of a weakness that keeps us from standing firm. A weakness that keeps us from advancing forward. And it's only the supernatural power of God that comes to strengthen knees and to lift up hands that are hanging down that we might lay a hold of what God has for us again. He will come. He will come to the wilderness. He will come to the dry place. He will come. As knees are strengthened, as hands are lifted up and strength comes into them, then things begin to happen. Miracles begin to break out. It says that the eyes of the blind shall be opened. That the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So this river represents God's part when, for healing, for salvation, for deliverance, for courage, for, for beautifying the, the, the dry and, and the difficult places. It's the river of God that comes representing his supernatural power and provision. We can't make any of that happen. You cannot turn in your own strength a wilderness into a fruitful place. You cannot take your own lack and just by your own will turn something around. We need supernatural intervention in our lives so that we might stand, that we might advance, that we might lay a hold of the purpose of God in our life. I am tired. I am tired of looking into the eyes of believers and seeing the, the, the hopelessness that has caused them to give up because they've been waiting on a word or, or the spirit of the age has held them back. There is supernatural power and provision to come to put strength inside of us that we might fulfill the purpose of God in our generation. That's the sound that's going out across the state right now. That's the sound that's being released. It's causing a people to awaken to his purposes, to partner together with him. Listen, the pressure isn't on us. It's his plan and he's working his plan. It's an invitation to join together with him. He's going to make it happen. He's going to work it. He's been doing it from the beginning and he has a good plan. And he's working that plan. And that plan works and he's inviting us to join together with him. And in it, there is a fulfillment. There's fruitfulness. We realize that we were made for this to walk with God, to create with God, to be partners together with God, to be in intimacy with the Lord as he restores the whole world. The river. The river was there in the beginning in that place called delight in Eden. 
in the garden, there were four rivers and we could take time to go into what the names of those are and the meanings of them. But just to say that there was a picture that was going forth of provision that was there in the very beginning before sin entered the earth. That river flows. As you read through the scriptures, the prophets would come back to it. Isaiah, Ezekiel, you know, Ezekiel spends great length in discussing the river of God as it comes out from the temple. It turns a dead sea into a living waters again. It goes all throughout the scriptures. It's spoken of in the Psalms. It's even in the Gospels in Yeshua at the time of this feast. He stands up on the last in the great day of the feast. John seven thirty seven. He came and he, 737, was about to take off as he stood up in the midst of the people and he said, watch this. And it says he cried out with a loud voice to the people of Jerusalem. I believe that there's a loud voice that's arising in Connecticut. I believe that there's a loud voice. There's a voice of boldness. There's a voice of voice of strength that's being released here in the northeast of the United States. I remembered yesterday a vision that I had forgotten from years ago. And I, you know, sometimes in intercession, you get something and it, it impacts you, but you don't know what your part is in it. We weren't connected to the Northeast, but we were in a time of intercessory prayer in Cyprus. And all of a sudden, the Lord just showed a vision in front of me. And I saw the Northeast of the United States. And I saw a line coming down from the Northeast down to Texas. And then I saw the Northwest of the United States. And I saw a line coming down. And they were converging in Texas. And the Lord said to me, he said, Matt, I'm going to release the anointing that was in the awakenings on the Northeast with, together with the healing revivalists of the Northwest. It's going to come together. And I will mark the United States with a victory for my plan and my purposes over this nation. I just remembered this a couple days ago when we were there in Berlin as we were sharing. I forgot I haven't been praying faithfully into it. And then the Lord highlighted it to me again. At the time, we had no connection here in the Northeast. Most of our ministries in Africa and the Middle East and Europe. And so I just, we prayed into it. And someone who was there said, Matt, you got to get in touch with Pastor Olin Griffin from an apostle there in Texas. He said he had a dream, and that dream was the exact same vision, literally. Whoo! Jesus. I just felt a release of the power of God. Just the level just went up. Whoa, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in this region. When I received that and prayed into that vision, I didn't see any personal application. But who knows the ways of the Lord? Now, a couple years later, the Lord has supernaturally linked us here into this region as a ministry. He made a friendship together that, that Marios and Danielle, we're, we're, we're committing to each other to walk together and to run together for God's purposes. Can you believe it? I mean, think about this for a minute. I shared this when we, when, when Marios was here, I said, Marios, I'm going to be a Barnabas for you. And I'm going to open up a, a place in Cyprus for you to have a platform to speak to leaders. And we gathered for one of our events. We had more leaders show up than we've had in any of our meetings in the past. Do you, uh, you guys that were there, you remember when he would call forth uh, church leaders, there was a 20, 30 people that came forward for Marius to, to release prayer and impartation to. At that, t- at that time, and God would take a Jewish guy, believer in Jesus, 
who sent him to Cyprus. He took a Cypriot guy to Connecticut and somehow he's linked us in all of that. And there's a coming together for a purpose, for a bridge to be built. That's for a greater glory. I never thought that we'd be coming to Connecticut. I don't know hardly anything about this, but this area, this region. But the more I find out, the more I like God is up to something. That river is flowing and he's releasing power and provision. Thank you, Lord. So the river is God's part of the equation. The river is the supernatural element that only he accomplishes. And so as I was reading Isaiah 35 that day, he said, pay attention to the river and the road. And then he began to highlight other passages to me um, there that had the river and the road in it and other stories from the scriptures. And, it, and it's just been inspiring my heart more coming to me as I as I look into this. And it go, goes on Isaiah 49, verse 10. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but just listen to the to, to the words. Isaiah 49, verse 10. They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. I will make each of my mountains a road and my highways shall be elevated. Springs of water and roads together. The river and the road coming together. Isaiah 43. Very familiar passage, 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The river and the road, they go together. This is the place that we want to be found. This is the place where we want to be planted, is where the river and the road are converging when they come together. Hallelujah. I realized that I got into John 7, 37. It didn't take that any farther with you. But Jesus in the Gospels, he stood up at this time, the last, the great day of the feast. And he stood up there and he says he cried out with a loud voice. And he spoke out and he said, whoever's thirsty, come and drink. And then he spoke to them and he said, because of this water that you drink of, you will never thirst again. And out of you will flow rivers of living water. Now, what was going on? The context for that was we understand from Josephus and other historians that in the first century, in that time, the tradition was the priests in the temple. They would go down to the valley outside of Jerusalem, to the Gihon Spring, and they would collect the vessels of water and they would bring them up to the temple courtyard and they would pour them out in praise and prayer. And it was not just a, a ceremonial procedure that was solemn, but it was the, the way they describe it. It broke out on riotous behavior. It was riotous. It was a party. It was a celebration when the last um, harvest had come in in the agricultural year at the end of the last feast of the cycle of the seven feasts of the biblical calendar. It was a party. They're splashing They're They're pouring out water. It's loud and noisy. And Jesus stands in the midst of that party goes on going on where they're seeing water being splashed around. And he says, you think this is good? He has to cry out with a loud voice to catch their attention in the midst of their ceremony because they were enjoying the refreshing that would come from that. But how much more when they had the Holy Spirit? And so he speaks out and he says, now it's going to flow out of you. When he said those words, living water, they understood what he was talking about. For us, it sounds, yeah, living water. That sounds right. That's, isn't that name of churches and ministries and different things? But for the Jewish people in that day, they understood living water in a different context. 
according to the Torah, according to the law, to be purified from the defilement of death, disease, and sin, one had to be immersed in living water. It's called mayim chayim in Hebrew, living waters. And the, the idea behind that is that the water comes from a source that's not there, and it flows through that pool, and it has an outlet that will carry the contamination away. And so this is the precursor to what we understand as baptism or immersion today. You're, you're going to, some of you, is anybody here going to be immersed in water today? See that hand? Maybe there's some others the Lord will stir along the way. But, um, but, but this was the precursor to that. So whenever they were defiled or contaminated, they would go into ritual um, ceremonial washing called the mikvah. And they had to find a place to do that because they were unclean until they went into the living water, into the moving waters. The waters that had a source that was not their own. Hello? Rivers that flow out from the throne of God. It was pointing the way to what was to come. And that it then had an outlet. So by and large, I love it that you're going to the coast to have a baptism because that's more in line with the original intent than a hole in the floor that you have to fill up a little swimming pool to get, get dipped in. It all works and by faith, I'm, I'm, but it's just living water, moving waters. Whew. Thank you, Lord. And, and he, and he uh, when he said that, they understood. He was saying, we're not going to have to run after we're defiled to dip ourselves and find a place where we can dip ourselves. The river is in us. We are a walking baptismal. We are a walking mikvah. There's an inflowing of the Holy Spirit of God. The next verse says, and by this, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which had not been poured out yet. We live on the other side of that statement. We have the glorious Holy Spirit within us. And he flows in and he flows out of us. You are a walking baptismal to be renewed by the river and the life of God. Wherever it goes, what's dead comes to life. What sin is washed away. We are cleansed and we are marked. And this is only by the hand of the Lord. We can't produce it. We can't make it happen. It's his part of the equation. The road is our response to the river. The road is the part that we offer up. I have to tell you, we've had the privilege to connect to moves of the Holy Spirit in this country and other lands. And I've seen where the river has touched down and people are excited and they're splashing like the people of Jerusalem in that day. But if we don't catch the deeper purpose behind it is that we are washed and we are renewed and we are made clean to partner together with God to get up on that holy highway that our position changes and that our movement changes and that we are advancing together with God to fulfill his purpose in the earth. It's not just about coming to a meeting and being refreshed in the river, taking another dip in the river. That's good. That's the start. But there's a response that comes out of a heart of gratitude and love for the Lord. I'm not talking about working things out in our striving and in our flesh and trying to make things happen or earn favor from God. I'm talking about a heartfelt response to the power of God touching our lives. And friends, I have had people that I've walked with and known that have danced in the river. They have been immersed in the river, but they never got on the road. And today, they're in the same place as they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And some of them have even fallen away, but for the grace of God to bring them back. But when we 
walk with the river and the road. When we walk where the river brings a transformation in our life, we get up on that highway of holiness. We, we elevate our living. You see, in Hebrew, that word for highway has a, it's a metaphor as well as a literal highway. It's both. It's a metaphor in that it means the highway is an elevated place to move from. It means that it's a higher way of living. It's the path of the righteous. It says, it says here that um, the unclean shall not pass over, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. And then they cannot be touched by wild beasts. And there's joy and gladness. You see, there's joy in the river, but there's also joy on the road. It says joy, gladness, they come. And that road is a road to Zion, folks. It says that they will return to Zion with joy and singing and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Part, we have to realize that the direction of God's highway is to Zion. The direction of God's highway is leading towards a purpose. We are moving towards a point in time when Yeshua comes back to rule and reign over all the earth. And he will do that from a place. You know, God is interested in geography. He chose Israel because they were weak. It says in Deuteronomy 7, I chose you because you were small and that you were weak and insignificant. I want to show my glory through the least. But he still chose them and he set aside a place. And as he went up from Jerusalem, so the scriptures say he will come back to that place. In the same way that he went up, he will go back. It says in Zechariah that he will place his feet on the Mount of Olives at his return. As he went up into the heavens, so he will return with his physical feet. And he will rule and reign over the nations of the earth. This is where salvation is, history is moving towards. That's where the road is going. The highway of holiness is not just so that you can be a better person at your job, in your neighborhood neighborhood and all of that. That's a part of it. But he's calling us on a journey that has a destination. It says that one day, Zechariah 14, every nation at the Feast of Tabernacles will come up and worship the Lord in Jerusalem. It says that it will be an indicator of whether the rains of blessing will fall upon their land, whether they connect to this road of Zion. Hallelujah. Am I losing you here? Okay. The highway has a destination. From the wilderness to Zion, from the place of dryness to the place of God's appointment, to the place of God's choosing, the river and the road together. Thank you, Lord. So it's a metaphor for a higher way of living, for a righteous lifestyle. Proverbs speaks about it like this. Proverbs 16, verse 17 says, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Proverbs 15, 19. But the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. And we could go on and on and on, giving more examples of this higher lifestyle that we're being called to. It's not only a metaphor for our righteous living. It's a highway. It's a place of people movement. God is repositioning peoples in this time. God is moving people for his purpose around the earth. He's, he's bringing, you know, right now in the, the generation that we're alive in, Israel has become a state again. And so that promises will not be left 
long forgotten, but he will fulfill the promise of his word according to biblical prophecy to bring his people back from the nations to a land to save them and to heal them so that they might welcome him back when he comes as a bridegroom coming for his bride. He's moving people around the world. Andrew White, the vicar of Baghdad, I don't know, maybe some of you have heard of him, amazing man of God, and they're seeing unprecedented miracles in the midst of unprecedented persecution in Iraq right now. They say basically everyone they pray for is healed right now. They have seen continual resurrections. Even he was sharing with us a few months ago in Cyprus, he said, he said that even Muslim people that have gone for prayer there have seen the dead raised. Now, that, I don't know how that messes with your theology, but this is what happened. A Muslim man had a daughter that was in hospital. The doctors did everything, and she died. And he went across the city to the hospital at the Anglican church there where, uh, where Andrew White is vicar over. And, and uh, they, they went to the hospital, and they asked, can you help? They said, we can't help. She's in another hospital. They said, go speak to Abuna Andrew. Go speak to, to the vicar. They went to him, and he said to him this. He said, I want you to say the name of Jesus and not stop saying it till you get back to your daughter in the hospital on the other side of the city. Isa, 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 Isa. And that man, he was desperate for the life of his daughter. He went back and there she was dead. And he climbed up on top of the table over his daughter on his knees and said, Isa, Isa, Isa. And she woke up and she came back to life. Listen, in the midst of great persecution right now in our region, and and I want to appeal in partnership, if there's a bridge and if God has extended the family relationship here, you have a portion in our region. We have a portion here. I am stirred about Connecticut. I'm stirred about the Northeast. And I want to stir your hearts for our region of the world. I want to stir your hearts right now. There's another highway that talks about people movement and it's a highway in Isaiah 19. It's the, it's the, we call the Isaiah 19 highway. It says that in that day, there will be three nations, Egypt, Assyria, and Israel. And each of them will have a name from the Lord and each of them will be, have a portion from the Lord in that day and that they will worship traveling on that highway one between the other. Right now, the greatest enemies of Israel is the, what would be modern day Assyrian countries and in Egypt representing another stronghold of power without going into the history of the different Muslim expressions. We'll just leave it like that right now. But, uh, God is awakening. Just next week, we have a gathering in Cyprus of people that are coming from these nations to worship the Lord together and to strategize how can we lay our lives down to be paving stones on this highway of Isaiah 19. When, when, when Andrew White was with us, he said, guys, guys, what I sense from the Lord here at this mission base as a messianic Jewish community, one new man expression of God, he said, there's a glory that I've really experienced outside of Baghdad, what we're experiencing. He said, I'm not, he's not saying that to puff us up. He said, I want you to understand that Cyprus is on the Isaiah 19 highway. If you see that highway going between Israel, Syria, and Egypt, we have a portion of that. We're crying out to the Lord. Think about it. Those nations were both exile places for God's people, but they were also places of deliverance. They were also places of protection for Jesus himself. 
He went. Joseph's brothers came and found refuge in Egypt. And God is opening up relationships along this highway in this day and age. You can be a part of praying into existence, a people movement where worshipers are going to go forth throughout this region. We don't stand alone as a nation, but we stand together, join according to the scriptures and his prophetic promises to say, let it be in our day, in our age. I would encourage you with this. In our base in Switzerland, the, my brother-in-law who's leading that base there, one night he had a dream very recently. And in the dream, a, a co-worker from Syria um, they're a wonderful woman of God, and uh, she, he, she came to the door of the base, and she, he opened the door to her, and she looked at him. And when she looked at him, he knew exactly what she was thinking in the dream. Have you been praying? Have you been praying for us in Syria? And he woke up in the morning gripped by the burden of intercession. And they went down into the morning worship time as a community, as a mission base. And they began to pray. And they prayed specifically for her over the next few hours. So they felt the release from the Lord. And he sent a text message to her. Didn't hear till a few days later. And she said, thank you for praying and standing with us. When I received your message, I was in the middle of a rebel army camp negotiating for the release of pastors and priests who had been held hostage hostage and they were going to be executed and my life was in danger, but I was sustained by your prayers and the Lord prevailed. And we saw all of the pastors released from captivity. If it, if it works from Switzerland to Syria, why not from old Saybrook to Syria, to Cyprus, to Israel, to Egypt, to this region of the world. And so God, in his good pleasure, in his plan, somehow has connected our lives. And there's a bridge that's being built for a greater glory to come to the Lord into this region. A highway. It's about people movement. It's about a, a new way of life. It's a, you know, Isaiah 62 says, go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. The highway that's being established, that's being formed by lives laid down before the Lord, saying, Lord, in humility, I don't know what it's going to take, but let my life be poured out. Let my life become a paving stone that you will move your people and your purposes through the place that you've planted me so that you get the glory at the end of the age. Go through the gates. Go through the gates. Prepare a way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. So it's a a highway, meaning a righteous way of living, an elevated way of living. But it's also a highway for the people. That road in the wilderness is for people movement. And it's a life laid down in love and service that even we say, walk upon our lives, but let your movement take place. A highway for the people. And thirdly, that highway. It's a highway of holiness, consecrated living. A highway for the people, but it's a highway for the Lord. I tell you, this is what I live and breathe for. This is the the word that has gripped my heart. I do not want to miss the opportunity in in the small years in the span of human history that I'm privileged to be alive and not give my life to this highway. And not give my life and miss out the opportunity to be a part. Even if it's a paving stone, let me be that. But build your highway, Lord. 
What about for Connecticut? What about for this region? Are we willing to be laid out before the Lord saying, God, I don't care if revival comes to the church down the street, but let me be the road that you walk on for your glory to roll into this region. Lord, if it, if it were to take my life to be a part of that bridge, Lord, if it doesn't happen here, if it happens somewhere else, if you want to use my life to connect people for your purposes, do it. But I want to be a part of your plan. I want to be a part of the road. I want to be a part of the highway. I want to live that consecrated, set-apart life before the Lord. Hello. That we would hear the cry of the Holy Spirit and it would resonate within our hearts to say, Lord, I wasn't born for superficiality. I wasn't born for complacency. I wasn't born to be alive in such a time and an age where I would miss out on the grand design that you are working in the earth. His plan is amazing. It's amazing. His design is glorious. We look at the skies. We look at the sea. We look at mountains. We look at creation and we marvel. And yet he's also working a plan, if we could see it, from creation to the new creation that we get to partner together with him in. And it should, it should, uh, it should thrill our hearts as much as when we look out on the beauty of a shoreline, a sunset over the sea. Come on, you guys are privileged to be living on a coastline in a, in a place that has such beauty around it. But if we could see in the eyes of the Spirit the grand design and the beauty of God's redemptive purpose, that highway, that train of His movement throughout history, then we say, Lord, we don't want to read about it in times past, but we want my life to be a link upon that road. Make my life a paving stone that connects with your purposes in the past to what you're going to do in the future. But build your road, build your highway. Shake our hearts. There is nothing but generosity in his heart when he pours out provision and power through the river of God. There's no end to the resource that's coming out from under his throne that flows out for his people. And there's a love response that wells up in the hearts of his people that says, Lord, we're not only going to stay in the river, but bring the river and the road together for your purposes in history. I want to be planted like a tree of righteousness along the banks of that river, and I want to be connected to that road. The scriptures talk about pathways of the sea. There's, there is a, there's a movement throughout the world of God's plan and his design that we get to connect to. But we won't catch sight of it going up and down the channels on our TV or flicking the pages on our Facebook. We have to tune our ears to the voice of the Spirit. And that's why gatherings of worship and prayer and proclamation that are taking place now are crucial because it awakens the body to their heritage and it connects them to the future of a glorious history in the plan of God. I mean, a glorious future in the plan of God. Isaiah 40. A highway for the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places are going to be made straight. And the rough places will be made smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Matthew 3. Luke 3, John chapter 1. These were all connected, this passage of Isaiah 40, to the ministry of John the Baptist. They said, who is this man, this wild man in the, in the, in the wilderness of Israel? A man who has come up out of the desert and he stands beside a river and he calls the nation. He says, all of Israel came out to hear him and he spoke strongly to them with, with, uh, with strong exhortations to them, but they came to the river. And they came and they immersed themselves to be cleansed. But he said to them. There's another baptism. This is just water for the repentance of sins, but it is the fire of the Holy Spirit that will empower you to live on the highway. What was his message? A voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. John the Baptist stood by the river and preached the highway of the Lord. He called the people to the river. He called them to baptism for repentance of sins, but also to be baptized in the fire of the Holy Spirit that would be a consecrated life and that would give them power and love. To live differently so that they could get up on the highway of the Lord and become messengers. And so God raised up John the Baptist before the first coming of Jesus to announce the way. He came as a suffering servant. He came low. He came born in a manger. But there was still a voice that went forward that caused the whole nation to come to attention. How much more at his second coming? How much more at the end of the age when he doesn't come lowly? He doesn't ride into Jerusalem on a colt, but he will have a triumphal entry on a white horse. When he comes as king of kings, when he comes as the ruler of Israel and the king of all the nations, how much more will he raise up a voice like John the Baptist in a generation that have been immersed in the river of water and of fire, but are announcing the coming of the Lord on a highway of holiness? That's the invitation. That's the pull that Isaiah 35 is prophesying to my life in this season. That's drawing me again and again to these places. That's saying it's a river and it's a road. And we must connect to the flow and to the way of God in this season. Folks, he's not coming back meek and mild. He's coming back for war. He's coming back to take ownership of his rightful inheritance that will be presented by the father to him. And we get to be a part of that. He's coming back to stand beside a bride that is worthy. Who has been washed in the water of repentance, who has been immersed 
in the fire of the Holy Spirit who has lived, who has been called up to a different way to walk and to move and who goes before him announcing, prepare the way of the Lord. Let valleys rise up, let mountains come down, let crooked places be made straight and let rough places become smooth. It's our privilege to join with the chorus of the redeemed in the nations all over the earth, raising up a sound, calling in the harvest, awakening those who are lost and in death into new life, that he, when he returns, will receive the welcome that the king of the universe deserves. It's the only way it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. And I know where I want to be standing. And giving our lives. The river is your portion. The road is your portion. The Lord is bringing these together in this day and in this age. So Jesus stood up on the last and the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Traditionally, there would be 70 bulls sacrificed at the Feast of Tabernacles. And 70 was the number of the nations that's given after the sons of Noah in Genesis. And the rabbis looked to the number 70 to represent all the nations. 70 bulls sacrificed Feast of Tabernacles, meaning that this is the end feast of the cycle when the nations in Israel come together to worship the Lord. And that's why Zechariah prophesies and says, every nation will flow up to Zion to bring an offering to the King of Kings in that day. The mystery of the one new man is being revealed. As God would connect a messianic servant ministry that we represent as gateways in relationship and in family and friendship together with you from the nations. For his end time purposes to reveal a greater glory that one would not exalt in themselves, but in loving service and humility would spur each other on for God's end time purposes to be a part of seeing his glory released in all the earth. And so humbly I submit this is fire in my heart over this, but with humility, I present this to you today. It's saying let's work and be a part of God's plan together in the whole earth that he might get the glory at the end of the age. We love you, Yeshua. We love you, precious Jesus. If it's in your heart this morning that you want to make a response, you say, Lord, I need to step into the river again of your supernatural power. I've been working things out in my own strength, but my hands are hanging down and my knees feel awfully weak. Then I feel like I'm stuck and I'm not moving forward. I'm not advancing. I'm not running. I'm finding it hard just to hold my place of standing. And I need your river to come and touch my life. Or maybe you're here and you said, I have been experiencing the gracious, generous, overflowing power of God's supernatural anointing and blessing of provision in my life. But I feel challenged that you're calling me in this season to renew my commitment to run for you, to go to the elevated place, to get on the highway of holiness to be a part of a people movement in the earth and to be a part of welcoming back the king. I want to respond. 
I just want to invite you to stand before the Lord this morning. If you want to, if you want to make a response to these words, to stand before the Lord and let's renew our commitment to God. In fact, let's do it this way. Why don't we just come forward, Pastor, if, that, if that's okay? Just come forward to the front. This isn't so much about laying hands. The word of the Lord has gone forth. But it's a response of the heart that's saying, Lord, here I am. Throughout history, there was a response when God called a person. They would say, Hineni, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Abraham said, Hineni. God called Moses. He said, here am I. He called Samuel. He called Elijah. He called men and women throughout history. And they said, here am I. But there was a culmination of those here am I's as individuals where it came to a place of corporate anointing where the 120 were gathered in the upper room and they changed from single voices in a generation to a chorus of the saints together that the here am I changed to here we are. And as a part of this fellowship, we say before you, if, this is, if you, there's an amen in your heart, a yes in your spirit, just verbalize it before the Lord. But we say, here we are, Lord. Here we are, God. We want your river. And we want to walk upon your highway. Father, we ask for the empowering. I just pray over you now. We ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. To touch our lives. And Father, we respond. And we get on the highway. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I ask that you would look down. Father, I ask that you would hear heartfelt response of this congregation that's assembled at this time. And then as there is the coming together of ministries, as there's the coming together of the calendar dates, of the coming together of your purposes in this region, we ask that you would release something fresh and anew in the midst of your people. Springs in the desert. The river of God bursting forth, flowing. Fresh water on dry places. Consecrated hearts. Father, we thank you for your word that has come this morning to wash us and to challenge us, to inspire us. His word both washes us, but it also comes like fire and like a hammer. Father, we ask, Lord, that your word would prevail within the hearts of your people today, affecting transformation. Come and wash and come and inspire. We want to be found in your river and on your road.
Father, release the ministry of John the Baptist. Release the messenger anointing, Father. Father, I ask that you would release fresh fire, Lord God, on the ministry of being a messenger to proclaim the coming of the King. He's coming in power and in glory. That we would see him afresh and anew in his beauty and his power. Father, that you would reveal, as you revealed the Son of Man, that you would reveal the Son of David, the King of Israel, and the King of the nations who's coming to take up his throne. With all authority and power, he's coming to take the nations as his own, to rule and to reign. And you invite us to join together in your plan. Just wash. Oh. Set apart. Set apart for the Lord. Set apart for his purposes. To be a part of his plan. Father, I thank you for the increase of revelatory wisdom. Did you open up, Father God, the wonders of your word?